Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. You know, October is one of my favorite months, and I was trying to really figure out why the other day. It seems like that month that not only do we see fall harvest in all of its glory in the supermarkets, uh, right? It's the fresh crop of apples and so many other wonderful things in the supermarket. It's also, though, the changing of the seasons and the golds and the reds and the rich fall colors. Part of it, too, is actually teaching the dynamic laws of prosperity every year. It, it has that effect of opening my heart and making me more ready both to give and to receive. I think it's that time that represents home and hearth to me every year. And, uh, and truly, October is just a special time in my life. Well, we have been talking about the dynamic laws of prosperity in October. We're just finishing up our work in Catherine Ponder's book, as you know. And uh, she details 10 different spiritual principles that have to do with bringing more prosperity and more abundance into our lives. And, and I have to admit, we're, we're running short. We're not getting all 10 of them. Uh, we've really only covered about four of them so far. I'm going to try my best to see if I can't cover two of them today as our our last work in Catherine Ponder's book. The first one, the first uh, additional law of prosperity that I want to talk about is a fairly simple one, but I think you'll resonate with it. How many of you have, have that feeling that you're not alone in this effort of bringing more abundance into your life? Often we're in that particular situation, not only with other family members, uh, but so many other people. Bringing wealth to the world isn't a solitary profession. It's something that we have to collaborate with. We have to apply for loans. We have to negotiate some of our bills. We have to figure out payment plans. We have to call for services and hope and hope that the people on the other end of the phone or the other end of that agreement will cooperate with us. And, and if you're like me, sometimes it doesn't go as we would expect. The loan gets turned down. The financial planner isn't able to produce the kind of results we want. And sometimes that brings up resentment. Sometimes that brings up the idea that it's us against other people. It's some kind of competition for bringing about our own financial security. Well, the principle that we're talking about now is really nothing more than the principle of goodwill. And when we exercise goodwill towards others, it raises the vibration of our encounters. Suddenly the idea of applying for a loan, first of all, isn't so scary on our part, uh, but that idea of goodwill towards the people we're working with also raises their vibration. It also creates in them an interest in really working with you, not just as a, a small cog in a big machine, but one-on-one, person-to-person. And so in the book, she relates a story of someone who has some uh, uh, clients that are, are difficult to work with, part of a, a network of people that are 
in the process of creating wealth, and yet such a prickly relationship she talks about. And her advice and what worked out was to simply hold that person in a special place of goodwill, to really raise and praise them, to make an effort to visualize them as successful. And what she found was that when she did that, Truly, the negotiations between those people became blessed, became part of something more beautiful, more, uh, more filled with goodwill on everyone's part. And in fact, I'll relate a, a short story with you on my own part. Two years ago, it, actually this time of year, if I remember right, we got our water bill, and our water bill was $943. Now, I don't know where you live. Maybe if you live in the middle of the Sahara Desert, that would make sense. But here in Portland, Oregon, we're practically made out of water, right? (laughs) And so when the bill came and it was over $900, the first place I went to was that place of fear, right? That's not in my budget to pay a $900 water bill. And my partner and I immediately felt like we were on the the offense or, 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 or having to justify things or, or we just knew that if we called into the water department that they were going to treat us badly. But I remembered this idea of goodwill, this idea of holding everyone in that light of raise and praise. And so I, I sat down before I phoned them, almost in a meditation, And I visualized the person I was going to talk to. I bathed them in a sweet golden light. I had the intention that the conversation was going to go really well. And that somehow, somehow both the water department and we were going to be satisfied with the outcome. I didn't know how that bill was going to get paid. But what I did know, what I, what I called in was the goodwill towards the people I was going to talk to, knowing that they were also part of the majesty of God, knowing that the water department certainly deserved some of my money for the water we used, and also knowing that that negotiation or that conversation was going to be on high, that I was going to use my highest spiritual principles. And really to, to, to bring love to the situation, to bring that honoring, to bring the goodwill that Catherine Ponder talks to. So I called them and they suggested that maybe we had a water leak. And within a few days, a gentleman had come out to the property and found indeed that uh, our our downstairs bathroom had a, a leak in the toilet. The toilet had essentially been running for like three months. They wrote off the whole bill. They simply said it was no fault of yours. And they wrote out, well, they didn't bring it to zero, but they used the previous year's month's bill instead and just said no fault and no harm. And I truly believe it was because I went into that phone call holding them on high, recognizing them not as an adversary, not as a group of people that somehow I had to conquer or even plead a case to, but just a loving individual who would be on my side. And so Catherine Ponder calls that the law of love and goodwill. That when you're in a situation with someone where money or abundance or prosperity is concerned, just hold the entire situation and everyone involved in a place of love 
and goodwill. And that truly that's what opens hearts. That's what allows everyone to give and receive. That's the place that we want to work through issues with other people where money, where love, where joy, where peace is concerned. Well, the other topic I want to talk about today, see, I am working in at least two more of the spiritual principles, the spiritual laws of prosperity. The second one she calls the law of prayer. And I guess I ought to start with a joke on that one. So far today, God, a young man said as he closed his eyes in prayer, so far today, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy or grumpy or nasty or selfish or overindulgent. So far, I know I'm connected to my divine self and that the world is a safe place, a helpful place, and a loving place. But God, in a few minutes, I'm going to need some extra help. In a few minutes, I'm going to have to depend on you. Dear God, in a few minutes, I may have to get out of bed. And so how do you start out your day? Is it in prayer? Is it in a spiritual practice of some kind? Do you start your day out from that place of really knowing that you're here fully supported with the divine? Well, one of the ways we can do that is in prayer. And I'd like to read to you a little bit about uh, Catherine Ponder's idea of what she calls the law of prayer. She says, even though various prosperity laws are discussed in this book, the power of prayer cannot be overemphasized for permanent and satisfying prosperity. The person who prays daily is certain to succeed because he or she is attuning themselves to the richest, most successful force in the universe. The Bible promises make it plain that there is nothing wrong with praying for things. Many people have not employed the power of prayer because they have the erroneous idea that it is wrong to pray for themselves or to pray for things. And so today I do want to talk about the law of prayer, the idea that our prayers are answered, the idea that when we make our intentions plain, to the Spirit of God itself, that there is an answer, a positive answer to our prayers. Now she talks about in the book three general types of prayer. One of them is an overall prayer. And she says, you know, there's a great comfort in just repeating some of the great prayers in the world. If you'll remember in week one, uh, we read the 23rd Psalm together. And uh, many people I know start their day by reading the Lord's Prayer. This would be one of the general kinds of prayers that Catherine Ponder is talking about. Although it can be from any world religion, it can be a prayer that you just say that is one of comfort, but one that connects you to your higher wisdom self, one that connects you to spirit. Because in many ways, that's all that's needed. When we're connected to spirit, when we're connected to that knowledge of abundance, of love, of joy, and of wholeness, whatever we could want naturally is drawn to us. We don't even need to detail it out or be specific about it. So it's fine if you want to, in your spiritual practice every day, just have a general prayer of well-being and love. It's one you can write yourself. It's one that you can pull out of Scripture. Just find something that resonates with you. It can be the same one every day as long as you feel connected to that spiritual higher power. 
as long as you feel one with the goodness and the grace and the abundance that is God, it's really all that's necessary. Then as your heart opens to, to receive God's blessing, all of the good things are open and available to you. She also, though, talks about two other kind of prayers that I want to cover today. Uh, one of them she calls a prayer of denial. And, and, you know, in the science of mind where we haven't been ones to often talk about doing prayers of denial, but it certainly is part of the new thought tradition. So I want to cover it today. A prayer of denial is nothing more than claiming that you are not at the mercy of outside forces. And so some of the examples that she has in the book are, I reject any appearance of lack. I deny any limitations in God's world. There is nothing for me to fear. There is no absence of life or health. You see, what she's doing is particularly addressing some of the fears that we have. There's a lot that people might find to be afraid of in this world. Right now, we have a pandemic throughout the world. Recently, here in the Portland, Oregon area, literally the countryside was ablaze in flames. I know it's something still that's troubling a, a good part of California and other places in the world. There are a lot of things that we might be afraid of. And the idea of one of these prayers of denial is to say that does not have to stop me in my tracks. I do not have to put my life on hold. I do not have to put love on hold. I do not have to put my affluence on hold because there is trouble in the world. The world can have its trouble and I can rest in the goodness of spirit itself. And so sometimes we have to just meet these fears head on and say, this does not apply to me. The world may be on fire, but it does not mean my life has to be on fire. There may be people at bitter odds with each other out in the world. It does not mean that my life has to be filled with bitterness. And so you might think of it as that universal stop sign, right? Something that will just stop that fear in its tracks. I do not need to be afraid. I do not need to worry about my well-being. And then she goes on to say, after we have done a prayer of denial, we ought to invoke the third form of prayer, which is a prayer of affirmation. So even as you have denied the appearance of poverty or fear or sickness, then she says, just come right back in with your belief in something higher and better. So you might say to yourself, there is no lack in my life because... I know that the riches of the universe are here for me to have and to use. Do you see how it works? We, we give it kind of the one-two punch. The, the first punch is I deny that fear needs to control my life. And the second punch is because I am part of God itself, the riches of God are mine. The love of God are mine. The cooperation of God is mine. We, we own up to the fact that we are in control of a large part of our destiny because our prayers are answered, because God is here to back us up. 
And so when we make our intentions known, when we're clear about how we would like to live our life, if you remember back to week number one, we were talking about what we put out gets magnified and comes back to us. Well, that's the nature of prayer too. What I put out, my prayers of love, my prayers of joy, my prayers of abundance, my prayers of cooperation, when I put that out, it is multiplied and oh my gosh, just stand back because it comes back to me with that multiplication factor built in. Suddenly, I, I have all the love I could wish for. I have all the abundance that I need. I can easily negotiate with the people over the water bill or, or whatever else is going on in my life because I'm putting out love. I'm putting out joy. I'm putting out exactly how I would like to see my life live to its fullest. And that fullness will be returned. Now, in Science of Mind, we teach a very specific kind of affirmative prayer, that third kind of prayer that Catherine Ponder is talking about. And for those of you who have maybe had a class at uh, one of our Centers for Spiritual Living on Prayer, you'll know it's a well-ordered kind of five-step process. But I want to dispel a little bit of the myth around that. You know, it's not an incantation. It's not, uh, you know, it's not like some magical uh, formula, although sometimes it seems like magic. What really it is is simply a way of focusing your own spirit to be in alignment with God, cleanly and clearly stating what it is you wish to experience, your intentions for living, and then sending it off with a blessing, just turning it over to God, allowing God to figure out the hows and the whens and the wheres. You just allowing yourself to accept that good as it comes to you, being willing to accept God's grace as it is multiplied and returned to you. So it's a very simple measure. If you ever want to take one of our classes, whether it's a foundations class, a power of your word class, any of the other classes that we teach online, in many of them you'll learn our five-step treatment. But it's no big thing. Again, it can be as simple as the affirmative prayers that Catherine Ponder has in her book. A simple statement to spirit of your willingness to have a better life. A claim, if you will, of how your life could be and will be and your acceptance of it. You know, that leads me, though, to um, a fly in the ointment. Have you, have you heard that phrase before? Have you ever had the feeling that somehow all of my best intentions just don't always work out quite right, and you're not sure whether it's God's not answering your prayers or if somehow you're saying them wrong? Well, I do have an idea of why often people don't feel that their prayers have been answered. It's because so very often... We don't think that we deserve to have them answered. So I come from childhood from the Presbyterian part of Christianity. And I remember one of the first times when I joined my parents in the adult part of the service. Normally I got sent off to uh, Sunday school, right? Uh, but I remember, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 12 and old enough to now 
be with my parents in the main part of the sanctuary. And I remember that the reverend mentioned that prayer requests could be put in a box in the back of the room. And so I was asking my mom what that was about. And she explained the idea of a prayer request that you could fill out a a prayer and put it in the box. And you know what? Without anybody saying anything, I assumed in my little 12-year-old brain that it were prayers always for other people. I think I remember the minister saying something about prayers for the poor or prayers for people who were sick or prayers for other people. And I somehow got the idea that you pray only for other people. That my own life, I had to figure out that somehow my responsibility was to take care of me, but that God would take care of other people. I just want to tell you, that was a mistaken notion on my part. All of the great scriptures of the world do tell us very clearly that prayer is there for everyone. It is honestly God's good pleasure to listen to, to react to, and fulfill your prayers, whether they're for you or someone else. We do not need to be shy about asking for help in this world. And the way we do it, of course, the way we do our prayers, whether it's for us or someone else, is to claim that goodness, is to visualize ourselves living the life we wish to have. It's using our words and our thoughts and our deeds as that, uh, as that emanation, as that radiation out in the world, that prayer of love, that prayer of abundance, that intention for good, And when we put it out there, when we say those prayers or make those intentions, it doesn't matter to God whether it's big or small. It doesn't matter to God whether it's for you or or someone in need. Truly, it is God's good pleasure to answer every prayer. Well, I should summarize today. I think we're running out of time here. So today we've covered two more of Catherine Ponder's Laws of Prosperity. We've learned that we can use the law of love and goodwill to facilitate our interactions with other people, right? When we're coming into some period of negotiation, when we're working with something else, and whether it's about finances or love or community issues, whatever it is, if we raise and praise those other people, if we view them from that light of collaborations, if our intentions are of good and wishing them well, bringing love to the situation, everyone's heart gets opened, And truly prosperity for everyone can be present. The negotiation will be filled with that same kind of love and that same intentions for goodwill. We've also learned that the law of prayer is a formal way for us to clarify our own thoughts around what we want in order to turn them over to God. We talked about three kinds of prayers. There's the general kind of prayer that just opens our heart and our mind to be ready to receive. It can be a a famous prayer like the Lord's Prayer. It can be something that we have learned as a mantra, maybe in the Buddhist tradition. It can be any kind of a statement of connection to spirit. Because when we are connected to our higher power, our hearts are open and we're ready to receive the blessings of every kind. 
She also, though, mentioned prayers of denial and prayers of affirmation. You can often use them in uh, combination with each other. We start out by denying that we are at the mercy of the world around us. Instead, we affirm that God's good blessing is ours to have. So you might say, I, I deny any disease in my body or in my world because I know that the wholeness and perfection that is God is present in my body. Do you see how I use the denial to say disease doesn't have to affect me? And then I back that up with a prayer of affirmation. My body is whole and perfect now and always. And you can use it for health. You can use that combination for prosperity. You can use it for love or success. So just think about the denial as the stop sign. I'm going to stop believing. I'm going to stop radiating out this nonsense about being sick or poor or lonely or whatever it is. I'm going to stop that with the denial. And then I'm going to back it up with what I do wish to have in life, which is the love, it's the abundance, it's the joy, it's the peace. It's that which it would be God's good pleasure to bring my way. We also learned that perhaps the greatest barrier to having our prayers answered might be our own thinking of smallness, our own belief that God might not listen to someone as inconspicuous as us. And you know, that's a fallacy. That was something that maybe we picked up as children, that prayers were for other people or that God would help others but not ourselves. Not true absolutely not true you are blessed and it is god's pleasure to answer every prayer prayers for you prayers for other people it is that that intention of spirit to answer every prayer in that sense god is almost like a servant when the prayer is one of honesty and love and purpose the response is always yes Yes, my beloved, yes. So I'm going to finish uh, today with a little bit of homework for you, a quote and a prayer. So for your final homework in prosperity, I'd like you to pick an area in your life where you'd like to experience more of something. It might be more love, might be more health, it might be more prosperity, might be more success. And I'd like you to write out a short prayer. Now, for those of you trained in our science of mind treatment, it would be one of those lovely five-step prayers. For those of you who are familiar with the idea of affirmations, like Catherine Ponder talks about her form of prayer, it can be just a simple one-sentence statement. But I would like you, as part of your homework for this week, to every day write out a simple prayer of something that you would like to see increased or expanded upon in your life. And just spend a, a moment or two every morning writing out. It could even be the same prayer every day if you want. You could build that into one of your general prayers that she talks about if you like. But the experiment's a simple one. Every day for seven days, write out a prayer and then just note the results. Think of it as a, a little bit of a science experiment or a metaphysical experiment if you'd like. Just see if those prayers aren't answered. All right, time for a quote and a closing prayer. This is how Catherine Ponder concludes her book. 
She says, little did I realize when I began working with the power of prosperous thinking how much my own life could change as I developed and wrote down these ideas, but how delightful, exciting, and worthwhile it all has been. It can prove so for you also. Continue to study these prosperity laws and do apply them daily. Continue to invoke prosperous thinking deliberately and definitely. Do so with real joy and great expectation. As you persist, your own divinely intended results shall surely appear as greater peace, health, and plenty in your life. Accept gladly those results. They are a part of your divine heritage prepared for you by a rich and a loving God. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one commander of all, one source of all these laws of prosperity, one source of all, all of the abundance in the universe, all the love, all the peace, all the joy, all the prosperity. It all comes from this one thing called God. And that includes me. I know that my life is part of the one life. I know that my abundance comes from the infinite supply of God. And I know that God is freely giving to me always. And so I open my heart to receive. I, I open my hands to receive. I expand my influence in the world knowing that I'm graciously supported by God itself through my prayers, through my intentions, through my raising and praising of others, through that which I put out being multiplied and returned to me, all of these spiritual laws of prosperity in full force in my life. And as it is true for me, it's true for everyone. It's true for each one of us. We can all use these laws of, of divine prosperity in our own world to create more good, more life, more love, more of what we would choose through our intentions, through our prayers, through our divinity, through our connection to that higher power. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I, I understand that it's God's good pleasure to say yes and that prayers are answered. And so I release my word, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. I do want to just acknowledge all of the gifts that you've provided. I, I've noticed that many of you are on board using our website at cslportland.org slash donate. Some of you are using Tithely. Some of you are a part of our auto-tithe system. I just want to thank you all for your many gifts. I know that many of you right now are probably getting out your web browsers and donating, and I do bless you for it. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. 
We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.